the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to, play, to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know that the, that the way to where I am going, sorry, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Because I, am going to be, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Just a, a couple of notes on housekeeping. Uh, if you can be seated. We will have our announcements at the end of the service today. Just want to let everyone know that because you're thinking, well, hang, the peace has happened, there's no announcements. But it'll be at the end of the service, okay? And also, I just want to thank all the men who came and worked so hard yesterday at the, uh, the cleaned up the yard and we put mulch down and we, we, we tackled the Amazon jungle out the back there. I just, we just want to know, what, Bishop and I just want to know, why does all the young guys go early and leave all the old guys behind to clean up? <laughs> also, um, there, uh, there's a, a, a devotion for today's sermon here. Uh, you should have got it in your order of service as you came in and your note an announcements. And also there's a, a, a little thing called Space for God. And that just reflects on the gospel passage, but not only the gospel passage, it uses, I'm using scripture to interpret the gospel passage throughout there. So it's all scripture. So you soak yourself in scripture this week with the Bible study and with this, uh, this one as well. So did you get one? There you go. You can have that one. And if you didn't get one as you came in, I will, I've now got everybody's email address. So I'll email it out and I'll also... Um, uh, put it onto the Facebook pages as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
And then we're going to concentrate on one verse this morning, and that is John 14, verse 6. So let me start by asking you a question. It'll be up on the screen. Why are we so uncomfortable with the exclusive claim of the Christian faith? There are many, many reasons, but I think the internet has changed the playing field in a big, big way. So a generation ago, if you grew up in Akron or Cleveland or Melbourne, Australia, you might have never met a Muslim and you might never have had a conversation with a Hindu. The internet has changed all of that through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram and direct messaging and through millions of websites and online discussion groups. We can and have met people whose backgrounds are very, very different from our own. The other issue is the mobility of modern life especially in large cities. We have people from India, Australia, living in our neighbourhoods, from China, from all over the place, now living in our neighbourhoods, from Myanmar. There was a day when we could talk about Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam in a detached fashion. Those, because those religions were over there, across the sea, thousands of miles away. Just as Christianity has moved into those distant lands, in the same way those unfamiliar religions and ideologies have come to our doorstep. We all have worked with people from many different backgrounds and religious preferences. For some of us, our families and our extended families have this diverse dynamic going on within them. As the world has grown smaller, some of the barriers that separate us have come down and that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. However, it does leave us in an embarrassing situation. How can we possibly believe that Jesus Christ is the only truth, the only true way to God? That's a very unenlightened point of view in today's world. And it's definitely out of bounds in polite company. Secular scholars refer to the Christian claim, they have done for centuries now, the secular scholars refer to the Christian claim that Jesus Christ is the only and true way to God as the scandal of particularity. And that position from the halls of academia have trickled down to the media and to mainstream thinking. And Christians in the workplace or in social settings often feel on the defence about this issue. No one likes to be called ignorant, do we? We don't like to be called ignorant or a hate monger or arrogant or intolerant. However, we can say it does not matter or it doesn't bother us, but it does. Certainly we have all become aware of the spread of Islam over the last 20 years, the, the social culture that I grew up in and that, that you probably grew up with as well, is rapidly disappearing. And we have no choice but to learn how to get along in a community where our neighbours follow religion vastly different to that of our own. And so as our society and as our community changes, we now face the danger of reducing the genuine religious difference to a kind of bland, lowest common denominator. There's a social and religious pressure on the orthodox Christian faith to acknowledge that all religions are equal. 
Some of us in this room have felt that pressure. Some of us might have succumbed to that pressure. But when you hear people say all religions are equal, you can be sure of two things this morning. They don't know what they're talking about and they haven't really studied anyone's religion very closely. Saying all religions are equal insults uh, thoughtful followers of every religion. Talk to your Muslim friends for a while and you'll discover that they believe or their beliefs and our beliefs are radically different. But talk to a Buddhist and you'll discover that their beliefs are different from ours and from the Muslims. The same is true for followers of Judaism. The same is true for followers of, of, of Hinduism and so on and so on. It's easy to say all roads lead to heaven when you haven't studied the map carefully. What we need is an accurate road map that tells us which road leads to heaven. And when you find that road, you will end up in the right place. During his tenure as the General Secretary of the World Council of Churches in the 2000s, Pastor Samuel Kambay of Kenya was asked to name the number one theological issue facing Christians worldwide. His answer was unequivocal. He said the uniqueness of Christ. If Jesus is not unique, there is no gospel and we have no good news to preach to the world. So we face questions on numerous fronts. Firstly, what does the Bible actually say about this? Secondly, how do we communicate this with others? And thirdly, how should we live in an increasingly diverse world? So let's have a look at our first point this morning. And that is, what does the Bible actually say? Let's consider the words of Jesus in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if words mean anything this morning, this is an utterly exclusive claim by our Lord Jesus Christ. Without him and apart from him, there is no way to the Father in heaven. If you decide Jesus is not for you, Brother and sister, God does not have a plan B. Also note how personal this is. We are not saved by religion. We are not saved by the church. But we are saved by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus didn't say, I know the way, but rather he says, I am the way. Jesus never offered us a formula to follow or rules to follow. Instead, he calls people to follow him how? Personally. Personally. Because he himself is the way that leads to truth. And that truth leads to life with the Father in heaven. So you will never be saved by religion. You'll never be saved by church. You'll never be saved by rules. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. The only way that leads to life with the Father in heaven. Now add to that the words of Peter in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It says salvation is found in no one else for there was no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Then you have the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is, is, which is Jesus Christ. 
These three verses seem to be absolutely definitive. No other way, no other name, no other foundation. Finally, let's consider 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there, is no, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. The whole gospel boils down to this truth this morning, beloved. Because our sin has separated us from God. We need a mediator to bring us back to God. Because the sin gap is eternally wide. We need someone from heaven who himself is eternal, to bridge the gap for us. Jesus is the only one who could bridge that gap. By his death, he paid for our sin and bridged the gap that separated us from God. By his resurrection, he proved he was the son of God. No other mediator is necessary. No other mediator this morning is possible. Only Jesus, the perfect son, could have himself, could have offered himself for our sins. He did what no other religious leader could ever do. One man said these words, Moses could mediate the law. Muhammad could brandish a sword. Buddha could give personal counsel. Confucius could offer wise sayings. But none of these men was, was, was qualified to offer atonement for the sins of the world. Only Jesus could himself as the divine sacrifice of our sins so, so that we could be saved. Only Jesus could offer himself for our salvation. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, we could add dozens and dozens of verses to this list. The God of the Bible is an utterly exclusive God. He has no competitors. He is the living and true God. And there is no one like him in the universe. He will not share his glory with any created being. He alone deserves our worship and our praise. And when his son declares no one comes to the Father except through me, he meant it. He meant it. The issue is not our emotions this morning, beloved. The issue is not our preferences this morning. The issue is not our feelings. That could be because you had too much cheese on your pizza but the night before or something like that. I don't know. The issue is the truth this morning. Can somebody say amen? amen. Sincerity in religion matter sincerity in religion matters uh, it, it, it doesn't matter sincerity in religion is never enough that matter is never enough but sincerity only matters when it applies to the proper object you can be sincerely wrong but you're still wrong aren't you doesn't matter how sincere you are you can sincerely eat rat poison and you will sincerely die Believing the wrong thing doesn't make it right. All truth is narrow. Years ago, we learnt that 2 plus 2 equals 4, doesn't it? Doesn't equal 5, doesn't equal 3, doesn't equal 4.6, no matter how sincere you are. Second thought, how do we communicate to others? How do we communicate this to others? The problem 
is not with what we believe or what the Bible teaches. Faithful Orthodox Christians have always believed that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We haven't always expressed it with equal forcefulness, but the teaching itself is not new. As our world grows smaller and as we rub shoulders with people from different religious backgrounds and with people who have differing ideologies, how do we explain what we believe in a way that they can understand? The most fundamental answer is don't be afraid. Seriously, don't be afraid. Too often fear makes us, makes us defensive about our faith. Too often we shut our mouths and we become secret undercover agents for Jesus, don't we? My friends, don't be afraid of someone who doesn't share your point of view. Don't be afraid to strike up a conversation with someone who has no religion whatsoever. Now on the flip side, too many Christians fit the stereotype of being all mouth and no ears, don't they? We talk but we don't listen. Or if we do listen, we're just listening to make an excuse to talk some more. It's not a sin to let someone else explain how they view the world. It's not a sin to listen to someone explain their own religious practice. In fact, it's simply human kindness to show some interest in the background of other people. How will you ever befriend someone if you don't get to know them first? So, close your mouth, open your ears, listen intently and let God lead the conversation. Pray as you listen, but not just for an open door to share Christ. Listen to learn. Ask questions. Seek understanding. Find whatever common ground you can. You can't compromise your Christianity by showing kindness to followers of other religions or other ideologies. It's okay to enjoy a friendship with a non-Christian for, for the friendship's own sake. It's okay to do that. Show yourself friendly and God will open doors for you that you could never open on your own. Amen. Finally, my last point, my third point, and that is how should we live in an increasingly diverse world? There's no turning back the clock to the good old days, is there? The reality is we live in an impulsive and inflamed world. The world's on fire. Have you checked? The world's on fire. We live in a world where a thousand different viewpoints are jostling, jostling for a place at the table. And so we do have to think about the challenge of sharing Christ in a diverse world. Here are three suggestions about where to begin. Number one, ground yourself in the word of God. And I will try to help you do that as much as possible as your rector, as your pastor. I will try and do that as much as possible and help you do that. Ground yourself in the Word of God. Make sure you know what you believe. Don't just read the Bible. Study the Bible. Learn it. Memorize it. Find out what it teaches. Learn the doctrines of the faith that were once delivered unto the saints. Let the Word of God be the firm foundation for your life. Buy a good study Bible and then use it. 
Do what 1 Peter 3.15 says and be ready to give an answer for what you believe and why you believe it. Number two, be bold about your faith with a smile on your face. That rhymes sort of, doesn't it? Be bold about your faith with a smile on your face. Many of us fail right at this point, don't we? You can laugh, it's okay. We either shut up or we shut down, don't we? We get angry and bothered when someone disagrees with us and the joy of the Lord is replaced with the wrath of God. If people get angry, let it be because the truth of the truth that we proclaim, not because of our angry words. If they reject us, let it not be because we treated them rudely. If sinners reject Christ, let it be because they, reject, they truly reject him and not because we lost our temper. Proverbs 15 verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. You can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God, beloved. You just can't argue someone into the kingdom of God. And you can't insult them into believing in Jesus either. If you get, if, if you get really angry, you'll discover that swearing or cussing a lost person doesn't make them want to run to the cross. Salvation is a miracle of God that takes place in the human heart. Only the Holy Spirit can convert the soul. It's not our arguments that win the lost. Unless the Lord works on the heart, our words will make no difference. Therefore, we must be gentle under pressure and kind even when pushed to the limit. We must be patient towards those who oppose us and we must, with meekness, tell them the truth. If we lose our temper, we may win the verbal battle, but we will not win them to Christ. If you can speak the truth with a smile and with the joy of the Lord, all the better. And if, 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 and if smiling seems impossible, at least don't lose your temper, okay? <laughs> Speak the truth in love and always it's always the best rule. It's always the best rule. Number three, realize that there is a tremendous spiritual hunger in our generation. We need to realize that. We need to realize that there is a tremendous spiritual hunger in our generation. That's why people are turning to new age idolatry, uh, new age idolatries, new age ideologies, same thing. Uh, that's why Eastern religion attracts so many people. It's, it, 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 this incredible religious diversity only testifies to the hunger inside every human heart. One man said these words, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each person which cannot be satisfied by any created thing but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. We were all made to know God. And if we do not fill that God-shaped vacuum with the truth, we will fill it with whatever substitute we can find. Wealth, power, pleasure, popularity. My friends, I think we're living in the greatest days of human history. 
Someone should say amen to that. I think we're living in the greatest days of human history. Romans 5.20 says, But where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. The very fact that we live in such spiritual darkness means that when the light shines, it really shines. That would explain why Satan makes such an energetic effort to spread his lies. So let us not be discouraged by the difficulty of the task. Let us instead be encouraged by the opportunities of this hour that we face. And as I close, our fourth point is there are two things that we must not do. Okay? Must not do. First one, we must not attempt to convert others by force or threat of, or intimidation. And number two, we must not stand by and refuse to speak up for what we really believe. If Jesus is truly the way, if Jesus is truly the only way, the cruelest thing that we could do is keep it to ourselves. If Jesus is truly the only way, the most loving thing we could do is to share it with others. Okay, theatre of the mind. Let's suppose that you and I are standing 50 foot away from the edge of a cliff. Okay, you got it? If you fell off, you would drop 1,800 feet before you hit the, rag, the jagged rocks on the canyon floor. There are no guardrails to keep you from falling. And as you stand there, you and I are chatting as we stand. And we see an old man walking slowly towards the edge. As he nears the edge, we realise that he's blind and has no idea of the danger that he's in. Suddenly he calls out, Which way should I go? What would you think if I yelled out, it doesn't matter. Go any way you like. <laughs> Would I not be criminally negligent when he falls to his death? If I cared about him at all, I will call out, don't take another step. I'll come over and get you. And, when I, and then I would take him by the hand and lead him to safety. Love compelled me to speak the truth. And to, do, and to do what I can, what I could and what I can to save that man's life. Beloved, God's heart is wide and the way to life is narrow. Both are true. There are many religions and many ideologies and I'm sure there are many good things to learn but there is only one way to God. Jesus is the way. Let me leave you with five words that will take you all the way to heaven. If you understand what these five words mean, you can spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. And these five words contain enough truth to save the whole world. And they are these. These are the five words. Only Jesus and Jesus only. I encourage you to say that with me out loud right now. Only Jesus and Jesus only. If you want to find out or if you want to, if you want to find your way to the Father's house, you have to travel the course Jesus laid out for you. 
Other roads may look attractive and they may seem like shortcuts, but only one road leads where you want to go. Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, or perhaps you're backslidden your heart, your, your heart's grown cold towards the things of God, please come and talk with me after the service. I would love to pray with you and it would be my privilege this morning to help you put your trust in Jesus. Please pray with me. Loving Father, a casualness with the scriptures has sometimes prevented us from seeing the astonishing truth behind so much of your word. Open our understanding to grasp, believe and act on the simple yet profound truths. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and all God's people yelled, Amen. Amen.